Let's continue in worship together through uh, looking at God's Word for a few moments here. I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Joshua. Uh, Joshua, we'll be looking at chapter 1, verses 10 through 18. Uh, again, uh, perhaps if you don't have a Bible with you, there's one at the end of the pew there, I think, nearby. Joshua's the sixth book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And then you get to Joshua, Joshua chapter 1, verses 10 through 18. We'll look at this morning. And, and last week, I'll remind you, as we move along this pathway through this book of the Bible... Uh, we looked at this theme of Joshua walking and being called to walk in strength and courage in the Lord. Last week we considered that, that he was commissioned for that purpose. And we saw right away that one of the things that does for us, and I want to just keep this in mind every week if we can, is, is it, like all the rest of the Old Testament, points us to Christ. Points us to Jesus who was commissioned to defeat our enemies of sin and death and the evil one, and uh, was called to do so with great strength and courage to fulfill what we needed for our salvation. So we, we saw last week we're just we're moved to greater worship in Jesus as we look at Joshua in the Old Testament. As we look to his commissioning and his call to have strength and courage, we see our need for that as well, that we receive that through Christ. And then we, we see that we too, as individual believers, we saw last week, are commissioned in the sense that God's called us to Himself to have a relationship with Him, to live for Him and His purposes in this world. And, and even the Great Commission at the end of Matthew tells us to go and make disciples, that that's what we're seeking to do as part of our lives, that we're commissioned. And to do all the things that God has called us to do, we certainly too need strength, and courage. As we turn then today at our passage, we'll see that Joshua has now moved from receiving this commissioning and hearing this message from God about strength and courage to implementing it, to begin to speak and to lead the people as he shares with them about entering into the promised kingdom. And specifically, how rest, obedience, and prayer relate to their call to enter in to that promised land and relate very practically to our lives as well today. I invite you to stand with me in honor and recognition of God's word, His truth, and I will read aloud to you as, re as you read along, I trust, silently, Joshua chapter 1, verse 10 through 18. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people. Prepare your provisions. For within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan, but all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you, and they take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it. 
the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. And they answered Joshua, All that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your word, whoever you, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. You may be seated. And let me pray for us again. Oh, Father, we do give you praise and thanks for your word and ask that you would be our teacher today, that you would preach to our hearts, Lord, that we would be motivated, Holy Spirit, by your working to follow, to rest, to walk with you in prayer, recognizing the great gift of your kingdom to us. And we pray this all. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I guess this is uh, fitting, don't mean to distract us, but with the football games that are coming on TV this afternoon, I was thinking about the commercial with the San Francisco 49ers that's been running on TV. Maybe you've seen it in passing. It, It has a scene of the actual players of the team gathered together in the locker room only they have a coach speaking to them who isn't much of a coach at all. He kind of fumbles over the things that he has to, to say. He, he corrects himself several times. He doesn't speak with very much conviction. And, and then at one point he actually kind of gets teared up and has to be emotionally encouraged by one of the players. Not exactly my picture of an NFL coach speaking and rallying his players to go take the field before the the big game or almost the biggest game of their career perhaps. It's an oversimplification certainly to describe Joshua's little speech here as a as a kind of win one for the gipper of God's people speaking to them. But he is gathering together if you will his team And beginning to speak to them, and of course he speaks to them, not in a faltering way, not in an uncertain way, but with great intensity, great focus, with full confidence and assurance, because he knows he's speaking for God, and he's speaking about things that God has promised to fulfill, has promised to fulfill. And he tells them, if you will that there are three plays they need to be prepared to run if they're going to take this field of the promised land and expect to see success. Rest, obedience, and prayer. And so that's what we want to talk a little bit about today. If you want to follow along in your worship guide, you can. There's a section of sermon notes at the end there, and it just gives us this main idea laid out there right at the beginning of those notes that as the Lord gives us His kingdom, we should enter it by rest, obedience, and prayer. Rest, obedience, and prayer. If you look with me in our passage today at 
verse 11, towards the end of it, it reminds us again, as it says, for them to cross over the Jordan to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. All right? How does this relate to us today? It relates to us today because just as the Old Testament people were given this actual physical land that was that earthly demonstration of the kingdom of God, we have, if we have received Christ and come into a saving relationship with Him, received the kingdom of God that He is giving to us. And I don't know how many of us have ever had an opportunity to receive something by way of inheritance. You know, maybe it was a, a little pot or something that some great-grandmother left for us. Maybe it was a few hundred dollars. Maybe it was an old car. Maybe it was a house for some. Maybe it was a whole big old bunch of money. But anytime you receive something that you didn't do anything to get, an inheritance, a gift, it's an amazing thing, isn't it? It's an encouraging thing for us. And as believers, I just want to remind us as we start today that, that God, just as He's taken Joshua and the people into that promised land, they're receiving that simply out of God's goodness and graciousness and kindness. We, we have it summarized for us in the New Testament in the book of John. The third chapter in the 16th verse, probably one of the most well-known Bible verses around. That God so loved the world, He gave us His only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. God loves us. wants to give us His kingdom through the work of Christ in our lives. That's a starting point for us today as we consider then what, what He's teaching the people here about how to, how to take that field, how to run onto the field. What are the plays that we're going to run to really enjoy that kingdom? And fulfill that kingdom gift that's been given. And, and having been motivated by receiving that gift, how do we then walk and respond to God's grace? And a, the first thing we've got to sort through, just some logistics, unless you're real up on all the matters of, uh, of the first five books of the Bible and, the, and Joshua and so forth, you read about this tribe, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, and, well, a little lost there. What, what is that all about? It's, it's not as complicated as it might seem. You've got all the different tribes, you know, and, and what has happened is the, the way that the, the people of God, let's see if I can do it for y'all's benefit, the way the people of God are entering into the promised land is, is they're circling kind of around this way. So the Mediterranean Sea's over here, and here's kind of the main part of Israel that we would think, and they're coming around this way, and all of this land over here is the land that they've already taken possession of. And it's the land that had been designated to these three tribes described. So you can understand what's happening. They're saying, hey, you know, you got your stuff. <laughs> you got your promise fulfilled. But hey, we still need you to come and help take over this other land. You can't just kind of hang out here and wait. And it's a, it's a neat reminder, I think, for all of us of just the unity of the people of God. To pursue his kingdom. And, and I see it you know, playing out maybe in our lives this way. Uh, we might not feel on a particular week like we really need the benefit of going to 
a life group or small group study or something along those lines. Uh, we just don't have a lot of needs right now. Our land is kind of settled. But there's an opportunity there for us, perhaps, to be a blessing to somebody else, to support others, to walk with them as they're seeking to walk into the kingdom. I know one thing we've mentioned before as well in our church family, and I'm so thankful for our deacons initiating this whole idea of the, the deacon fund. You know, uh, you or I might be in a situation right now today where our, our, our land is taken care of in terms of the, the settlement, uh, uh, in terms of our, our personal finances and whatnot. But another person needs some help right now. And as believers, we, we enter in, we're unified, we stay, we stand with one another. We're a body together. So, some of y'all might not have kiddos yet, or your kiddos are long gone from the household. And uh, you got the opportunity you're given at Cross Creek Church to help out with children's church or Sunday school. Doesn't always feel like that opportunity, does it? You're at a different stage, things are kind of taken care of. You don't, you're not dealing with those kiddos right now, but you got an opportunity to help, to join arms, link arms with others here and help raise our kids. So there's so many opportunities for us as a body of believers to walk together, and it requires us stepping out, though, from some comfort that we're in, some security that we have to seek to bless others. That's all really by way of background of the three main things I want us to chat about today. And the first one is this beautiful statement here about rest. Look with me at verse 13 and then 15 as well. What's part of entering into this kingdom? It says in verse 13, the last part of the verse, the Lord your God is giving you, is, God is providing you a place of rest. And then in verse 15 it says similarly, until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has given to you. Okay, so what is one of the blessings of the kingdom? What is one of the steps we enjoy and can take entering into the kingdom? Uh, Augustine put it well in the days of the early church when he made this simple statement, and you've heard it before, that God has made us for himself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in him. God's made us for himself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in him. What's the situation again of the Old Testament people here in Joshua? You know, they've been in slavery in Egypt for a couple of centuries, looking for some rest, looking for a piece of land that they could settle down on and just grow some crops and live out their lives. Then, you know, that wasn't really their fault. That was God's plan for them to walk through that. But then they end up wandering in the wilderness for a long time because of their own lack of faith. Imagine the longing they had to just enjoy some rest, to just be in a place that they could call their own and have whatever little bit of property and raise some crops and have a family there. Picture this promised land of the spiritual rest that we enjoy. I think about uh, when Patience and I were first married in our early married years. We lived in St. Louis. We were in a little one-bedroom apartment up there. Uh, I was in seminary at the time. Patience was a student and also working, I think, probably as a nanny at, at that time. And then we, we had, or, or I had, for the most part, a lot of ministry things going on in the evening times as well, probably four or five nights out of the week. And so, you know, the day started early to get everywhere we needed to get to. 
and the evenings were busy and full a lot of days, but we had this little window of time between about 5 and 7 o'clock most days. And, you know, Patience's uh, job or whatever, it got off a little bit later than when I got done with class, so I would get home just a little, usually 20, 25 minutes before her. And I had this lazy boy recliner that uh, I had purchased for $5. I always thought, hey, this is a really good deal, this recliner. Patients always felt there was a reason it was charged $5 for that particular piece of furniture, and it has now disappeared from our house. But I would love to sit, especially in those fall breezes. I would crack the window a little bit. That recliner sat right by the window of that little apartment, and the fall of St. Louis breeze blowing across a little bit, and just have about 10 or 15 minutes after a busy day and looking ahead to a busy night to just get a little bit of rest. Maybe you've got something that you enjoy that way, something that gives you an experience. When you think about rest, it kind of embodies that. And I just want to remind us today that one of the things that the Lord wants to bring into our lives is is a spiritual rest. It, It comes to us certainly in His reminder to honor the Lord's day and and, and to not think that, that everything we have is just a measure of what we can produce with our own hands where we actually stop during the week and rest. That's why we have Sunday and say, God, we trust that you're our provider. We don't have to work all the time. You are the ultimate provider even through our work. So it plays out that way, but it also plays out this way. We have to rest in Christ to have salvation. You and I may think or want or hope that we can kind of make up for the things that we've done wrong in this life or somehow be good enough to attain to heaven, attain to a relationship with God, but we can't. We cannot do it. All we are able to do as far as securing our salvation is to rest in what Christ has done. And so there's that beautiful picture given. And it's even laid out for us in Hebrews uh, In case you think I'm just uh, generating this out of my sleeve or something, Hebrews chapter 4 speaks to this. And the writer of Hebrews says, uh, in just a couple of verses in that chapter, it says, Therefore, while the promise of entering God's rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them. He's talking about the Old Testament people. They had the good news of the opportunity to enter the land. And he's kind of here talking about the fact that they they failed initially to do that. And he's inviting us spiritually to enter into that rest. Then verse 6, it goes on and says, Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received good news failed to enter because of disobedience, God appoints a certain day today, same through David long afterwards, today if you hear his voice. Do not harden your hearts. It goes on and says, For if Joshua had given them rest, this was all a big picture, it says, If Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. What a privilege. That we have this picture in the Old Testament of the people of God entering into this land that's going to be a place of rest and security and refreshment for them. And that is to us an image of what we enjoy, or I hope are growing to enjoy, of the kingdom of God and the spiritual rest we experience in Him. Are you resting 
in Christ today. Second thing we see in this passage is a call to obedience. Uh, Jumping back now, I guess we were in Hebrews there, jumping back to Joshua chapter 1. It says this powerful thing, and we've already sung about it today with that beautiful song, I Will Follow. What a What a wonderful song. If you want to have that in your mind running as a track this week to think about these verses. Verse 16 of Joshua chapter 1. The people are now responding. So that coach has gotten in the locker room. He's given them the speech. And now they are responding to what he has said. And they say, all that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Now, Are we supposed to carry that over and follow any merely human religious leader or spiritual leader today with that kind of carte blanche authority given to them? No. What it reminds us of is, again, pointing forward to Christ, Christ, the commission, the anointed one, the fulfillment of Joshua, who gives to us God's word for us to obey in all its fullness. And, and I want to say some things about this just kind of by way of background and then make a specific application to the, to the issue of sanctity of life. The reality is that, that as a church, we, we really try to be a place where we are digging into God's Word in some kind of depth. And small group Bible studies in our Sunday school time, hopefully during the sermon time each Sunday, uh, even in our life group uh, times to, to focus on some biblical themes in those gatherings. But it's really important for us, and, and I, I needed to be reminded of this last week, this last week, that, that we're not just to be knowers of the truth. That's not what we say in our church vision, do we? We say we're committed to growing in the truth, to actually taking it in and, and living it out, to growing in that truth. And it's interesting if we look back just at the verses we saw last week in chapter 1 of Joshua, verse 7, it says, Be careful. To do all that the law, the law of Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left. It's, a, it's a, supposed to be a precise thing, an effort to be precise in our lives and obeying God. And then it says in verse 8, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night. Well, again, for what purpose? Just you know, good, good thoughts for decent living? No. So that we may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. So it starts with knowing, but it moves to action. Now, when we think about following all that God has commanded, I don't know about you, but that's pretty overwhelming. I can't even get through a short little checklist of things to obey. But that is what he calls us to aim to. And it also is a humbling thing, or should be a humbling thing for us, as we recognize that one person's struggle in obeying may be a strong suit for us. And our weak point in seeking to obey all that God has commanded might be a strong suit for another person as well. It it affects how we view one another. One person, maybe greed, is hardly a factor. But laziness is a bit of a struggle. Another person, maybe substance abuse, doesn't even attempt at all. It doesn't even show on the radar very much. But sexual immorality does. For still another, maybe judgmentalism doesn't even kind of cross their mind. But constant worry and anxiety is always lurking there. For one, maybe homosexuality is just 
something that's out there that other people deal with. But divisiveness is a big danger. We need to have that perspective in mind as we think about all that, that's commanded to us here. And, and we could go through all sorts of commandments. But I do want to talk about this issue of the sanctity of life today. Because I think it's an area where this really relates and we can really apply this biblical passage. And, and I hope that, that I will make efforts to speak to it more than just one time out of the year. But I do think it's important to speak to it. We don't have time in this context to kind of give the full-orbed biblical perspective on this matter. But suffice it to say that the Scriptures clearly say that before we were formed in the womb, God knew us. God knew us. That human life is valuable from that point of conception. And if we have a little trouble really embracing that, uh, just the scientific evidence, the medical evidence shows that. There may be a difference in degree between what a 10-week-old baby in the womb can do and a 30-week-old baby and a 1-year-old and a 20-year-old. But there are differences in degree, not in type, right? And as we talk about this today as well, I want to say, as I hope we all realize, that it's a complex matter. This isn't some simple issue. Uh, uh, a, a couple that are facing these kind of decisions about what to do with a pregnancy they're not expecting is not a, it's not a simple little thing. So I don't, I don't pretend to present little simple answers here, but we're called to speak God's word and do all that he has commanded for us. I, I also want to say this by way of my own reflection and confession that, and I, I think I've said this before from up here, that in my own life, prior to my coming to faith in Christ in my high school years, I was certainly involved with ladies in a way that could have easily found myself in this kind of situation that many face today. And I don't know what I would have chosen to do, to do at that time. So I'm speaking from, from that. I hope you all hear that. At the same time, I think there's a call for us to live out what Joshua is saying here and the people's response to him. And that is that, that this thing is a great evil in our land. It's nothing less than that. Now, there are other evils in our land. There's other things for us to speak to and address. But it absolutely is. And it's this, it is this way. Because it not only corrupts the, the value and identity of life, but motherhood as well. And even turns our legal system upside down so we don't even know what our laws are for if they're not to protect and show love. It's a great issue for us to speak to. And what I want us to just be praying about and thinking about today is what does it look like for us as believers to do all that God has commanded us in this situation? Uh, some of y'all I know are already uh, serving or maybe giving or supporting a ministry like Save a Life. Uh, I know some. I, I saw even on Facebook some folks posting going down to the rally that took place uh, yesterday downtown Certainly, we can vote. We can support financially some of those ministries as well. We can be a part of restoring and loving those who maybe have made some decisions in the past and just need a regular reminder of God's forgiveness and 
grace in this area, just like all of us need a reminder of God's forgiveness and grace in the areas where we may have sinned along the way. I'd love to see and would pray and hope you all would pray with me that maybe even there'd be raised up from this congregation. Maybe it's one of you adults. Maybe it's some of these young ones. It would be a, a William Wilberforce in our time. If you haven't watched that Amazing Grace movie in a while and seen the story of Wilberforce who, who basically, with single-handed determination, sought to end the slave trade in the British Empire by working through politics, being a politician, maybe God would raise up one from among us, as, as, as nasty as we think that word politics is, but for God to use maybe even one among us to advance the cause of life. And in all of this, regardless of how discouraged we might get with the decisions that are being made out of Washington or out of Congress or wherever, or out of the legal courts, it's imperative that as believers we continue, like Joshua and the people following him said, to walk and say, where do you tell us to go, God? We're going to go on this matter. We're not going to stop standing up for what you call us to in the sanctity of life. Well, the third and last thing we see in these verses is a, a call that's, that's kind of interesting. You, you see in verses 17 and 18 that the people cry out and they cry out with sort of a prayer or a, a hope, maybe we'd call it, and is specifically related to, to Joshua as the one who is leading them. And they pray and they ask in verse 17 that the Lord would be with him in all that he does. And then in verse 18 that, that he'd be strong and courageous. And I just would encourage us as well, I know our church officers took a, a, a day, day or so, a 24-hour time period, Friday and Saturday, just this weekend, to get together for prayer. I know we ordained some, some new church officers, deacons and elders. I know we have lots serving in other ways of leadership in our church, even if it's not that kind of formal, structured leadership. But to, to be praying, to, to offer those things up as a prayer for our church, for the churches across our community, for those who are leading in other ways, who are leading politically and so forth, that God would really be with them, that God would be directing them, and that God would give strength and courage to walk in His truth, to walk in His grace, and to lead that way as well. So we've seen a, across the scope of this passage today what a beautiful, gracious thing it is that the Lord God gives us His kingdom. We see that being fulfilled through Joshua and the promised land that they're given. And then how that kingdom, if we're to enter into it and really embrace all that it involves, it involves resting, resting in what God has done and doing for us. It involves obedience. It's a funny thing to hold those two together, right? Resting, but yet being very diligent to obey. That's what God calls us to. And ultimately as well, the opportunity to pray and to lift up those who would be leading us as we charge forward into God's kingdom. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, we do praise You and thank You for the time we could have today to focus in on Your Word and to be reminded of that great hope of the kingdom that is an assured hope to us who have put our trust in Christ. 
We ask that you would really strengthen us, that we would daily be resting more and more in what Christ has done for us, that we would put aside any of the legalism and works righteousness that we would think that somehow we could add something to what Jesus has done. Simply be those who receive His grace. And, and, and then when we receive that, Lord, I, I ask that You would really propel us to, to, to be waking up each day and saying, Lord, whatever You have me to do, I want to do. Wherever You want me to go, I want to go. Lord, that You would enable us to do that. Be with us as we seek to walk with You. Lord, we praise You for Your Word. Praise You even for the places where it challenges us greatly. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.